You're listening to DraftKings Network. Steven and I were fighting about which game was going to get on the TV and which game was on the <laughs> the tablet. And like, so I'm literally watching Boston Carolina on like my little phone mm-hmm. while Penn State is up. And then all of a sudden he shut it off immediately, obviously. That tells so. me you need two TVs mounted on the wall side by side. I know, but our place isn't that big, Shane. <laughs> that would be nice. We, we like the one big. If we could go back to remember how you used to be able to do two games yep. on the stat. Yeah, was the bring that back. We need something like that for the NHL. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan. And as always, I am joined by the, and I share this in empathy because my spouse is in the same space, almost frozen for having fan Sarah Sivian. We're going to talk about those games in a minute, Sarah, but otherwise, how are you today? Yeah, I'm okay. Clearly, my voice is cracking. It was a rough day to be a Penn State fan yesterday. I almost booked a trip to Tampa, and then I didn't have to do that. At least I'm saving some money. <laughs> well, we we appreciate you finding the, the strength of character to, to come through and record with us today. Yeah. Um, and of course, we would not be too many men. Look at this on cue, because this was my prompt. The self-sacrificing, humble, nurturing, perfect puppy mom. There's little Mika looking like a saint, even though we know she's been causing some trouble. Mika's mom, Shayna Golden, say hi. Hi. Mika, do you want to say anything or do you just save that for tearing apart everything? Yeah. She uh, said yeah. hi. There Look you go. Hi, Mika. You never do wrong. Look at that little bubba. Little bubba. All right. Well, my friends, we have a lot to get to. Let's get to it. Time to start with Sarah's favorite segment, and that is... Bitto News. It is time for Bitto News, friends, and we'll go right to it. It took overtime. It was a nail biter coming off of one of the best tournament showings I think many had seen by a goaltender, but Penn State falls to Michigan, barely missing their first ever appearance in a men's frozen four. Sarah, on this side of the bracket, at least walk us through it. I also will report that Ohio State lost out to Quinnipiac, hopefully going back as well. Walk us through your takes on the tournament and feel free to share with us insights on the Penn State team, particularly that goaltender. Yeah, I didn't even know who he was until that day. And then I like tweeted at him. I'm like, props to you, honestly, man. Like now we all know your name. So good good for him in that way. But I, I just think like it just was brutal the way it happened. You thought they had the momentum and they had they killed off so many power plays, but you just can't keep giving them to Michigan. And I know officiating is whatever it is, but I always take kind of a stance that you can't use the refs as an excuse, especially after that many will they won't they they did a pretty bad trip at one point. Like I, I don't think the refs were that biased, but let's be honest. But I could tell the kid who had the penalty late in the game after they were up one oh, I, I could just tell that he was beating himself up so much. And it's just a really tough situation. It sucks. I love the guys on that team, Coach Gadowski, whatever. But yeah, Ohio State, I don't know if that was really an upset because Quinnipiac's been so good, but at the same right. time you just felt like they might've gone far too this year, but now we get to root for Rod Brindamore's kids, Sky. No, it was awesome. Yeah. And Ohio State, I was actually pretty uh, impressed by them. That's not a team that had a top five year. Um, They weren't even in the rankings at the start of the season, if I can recall. And some feel good stories within there. Uh, Gustav Westland, who had been out for a long time uh, because of injury, comes back, scores a goal. 
in the game prior uh, to the game against Quinnipiac. But uh, all in all, yes, here we are. Even though there's a Big Ten school in the Frozen Four, we don't have to like it. Shana, did you take in any of the NCAA tournament? I know you were focused on other games as well. No, I, I I watched it and I thought it was great. I okay. My one disappointment, and this is gonna sound super shallow, is that we're getting like a blue and gold matchup. And I like the color versus color matchups, like I always like it when it's someone with a little bit opposite. And of course we get the two gold teams at once. But um besides that, it was nice that the games were closer yesterday. Well, over the weekend versus the blowouts before, those were so wild. And it just like as fun as it is to see that, it's just not it's not what I want. And this is about me because I want, you know, everything has to be catered to me. But it it definitely it was really exciting. I can't wait for the games in Tampa. I know it's always electric in college hockey. You forget that there's like barely a neutral zone. Like I was watching this <laughs> at the bar. It was the greatest bar. Shout out to them. But um, it had Penn State and Michigan. And then on top, it was um, Carolina and the Bruins. And it was just so funny how different the games were. And they were both in overtime. But it was just like they're so differently played. So that was funny. But did you know, Allison, we have a friend of a pod that's on the Ohio State men's team. That's right. Do yeah. tell. Go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Explain that. If you yes. were listening, good job. You gave it your all. I'm really sad. If Penn State couldn't make it, I'm sad you guys didn't either. But hey, next year's your year. Yeah, it was funny, too, because we were at home and Stephen and I were fighting about which game was going to get on the TV and which game was on the, <laughs> the tablet. And like, so I'm literally watching Boston Carolina on like my little phone mm-hmm. while Penn State is up. And then all of a sudden he shut it off immediately, obviously. That tells so. me you need two TVs mounted on the wall side by side. I know, but our place isn't that big, Shane. That, that would be nice. We we like the one big. If we could go back to remember how you used to be able to do two games. Yep. On the that yeah, was the dream. Bring that back. We need something like that for the NHL. Yeah. Does Steven have an Xbox or a PlayStation by chance? I, he has one of them. I don't listen. They, you know, that you not can. To ask you me can. Questions. Okay, but set up ESPN Plus on that, and you can go quad screen. You can go picture in picture. You can go two. You can go three. You can go one big with like multiple. That's the only way to do it on ESPN Plus. Hockey Tech Corner is our new segment on Too Many Men yeah. <laughs> Listen, a lot of people don't know about this for some this is reason. It's true. It's, it's huge. Only on, it, they say on Roku you're supposed to be able to do it, but you can't. But you can on Liars. Xbox and PlayStation, so... Excellent. I will. I will consult. I will consult with him. Um, in other hockey news, very exciting. Uh, we have a PHF champion, and we can't thank them enough. Women's hockey is so good that it allows us to cross off two segments in one because we not only have a women's hockey champion in one of the two uh we're not supposed to call them leagues but let's just call them leagues that's what they are basically um and we also have how does this affect the leafs shana (laughs) tell us what went down last night in the desert so toronto and minnesota played the final last night it wasn't a best of three like the semis were and i was very disappointed about that i heard a couple reasons why i'm not sure which is the final one so i don't want to like say anything but in the future it would be so nice if we got a best of three for the final that said the uh, the quality of the final was excellent between minnesota and toronto so good uh it was physical it was super skilled the three on three 20 minute overtime was filled with so many exciting moments so high praise for all of that and toronto won but like i just wanted to make a joke like i don't less toronto has a championship people are like but the marlies and it's like yes but not for nothing that's ahl that is different i just wanted to make fun of the leafs let me that's have right. my moment shut up i know this is about the leafs and alani had the best tweet like that the six managed to win a championship before the leafs could even get out of the first round yes <laughs> the six have only been around for a couple of years but it was wonderful and i love it for them yeah amazing it was very very good content and a, a shout out to 
I will say I, I loved the synergy with the um, Coyotes. I love seeing all the players wearing pro women's sports t-shirts and everything. I wish that we would have had an earlier start time. And I know it was because they were doing the double header, which again, I like because it helps hopefully keep more people in seats to see maybe a sport, a version of the sport that they hadn't watched as much before. But the nine o'clock Eastern start time, I felt wasn't ideal. Now for me, it was great, but it wasn't ideal. Were there other things that you took away from the game as a whole or how it was presented, Sarah? Yeah. I mean, obviously with kind of the late notice of where the game was going to be too, it's kind of like, I wish there was a little more heads up on that. But that being said, I really liked the Mullet Arena atmosphere. I think that's a great place for um, this tournament to happen. And I thought it was a thrilling game. I got to catch some of the highlights and stuff. Obviously these games seem to never disappoint. So if you haven't watched women's hockey yet, like they always put on a show. A hundred percent. So yeah, we would just love to see maybe some more games that make it a series. We would love to see a more all uh, time zone friendly start. And, uh, but we are here for it. Go Toronto six. That's awesome. Great stuff. All right, friends. Well, let's move on to our next segment. Uh, We would usually lump this under the shit list, but unfortunately I fear um, we may end up needing a new segment that I wish we did not need. Um, Let's talk about the state of pride celebrations going on around the NHL right now. We have a couple teams to hit on. Uh, Let's just recap some of the quick facts and then we can dissect it in depth. The first is Florida. Um, They did have players wearing the jerseys, including uh, Russian player Sergei Bobrovsky, um, but the Stahl brothers uh, put out a statement prior to the game saying that they would not uh, be wearing jerseys after many, quote, thoughts, prayers and discussions, and then lied about the fact that they had worn pride jerseys previously, which was a delight. Uh, Shout out to Aaron, who's at rinkside on Twitter for doing the hard work in the post media availabilities. Um, Chicago had their pride game on Sunday. Um, in which they changed their position on wearing jerseys. And there has, as of our recording on Monday, and there's a great piece by Scott Powers and Mark Lazarus about this on The Athletic right now, ownership and management from an organization that claimed that they were going to be more transparent and accessible after some pretty bad crap going on in their team and their business. Uh, Danny Wirtz has still not issued any kind of statement as to why things changed. And again, as we record Monday afternoon, Buffalo is set to celebrate their Pride Night tonight. And while players will be wearing jerseys, the organization has put out a statement that if there are players who feel that they are physically in danger or feel threatened, um, that they may take the opportunity to not wear the Pride jersey. And as of right now, one Sabre player will be doing that. I would again encourage you to read uh, Mark and Scott's uh, article. It's very, very good. And it also includes, I want to, it also includes an interview with friend of the pod, Brock McGillis, that's really insightful in terms of some of the other things that did happen in Chicago's Pride Night and his perspective as a formerly gay NHL player. But Sarah, I'll start with you. Um, it feels like death by a thousand cuts every time something like this comes out. Um, just where are you at with with how these things keep falling? Yeah, I have a few points all over the place to make. So let's make them. I think none of us are geopolitical experts, but I do think it's kind of a cop out to just say that, oh, we're doing this for the Russian players, which um, I know Chicago did, where it ended up being like two guys from Thunder Bay that didn't play 
in Florida or didn't put the jersey on in Florida. Meanwhile, Bobrovsky from Russia did. And as far as I know, he's still alive. And listen, maybe there are some issues with folks at home and stuff like that, but it just does feel like such a blanket statement. It's like, I don't know that the real thing is with the religion, right? People are said the real reason nobody, even though some Russian players have gone not wearing it, they have not cited Russian politics. They've cited their religion, you know, and that's what like my Christian beliefs are one of the popular ones too. So I don't know. There's a lot of Christian guys and Russian players still wearing the Jersey and they're fine. So that that's a larger issue in society, right? Like what does religion say when it comes to being in the LGBTQ plus community? I, I don't, I think it says all are welcome. And I think Jesus would have worn a rainbow jersey but that's besides the point but i also want to say that as really like tough as this stuff is sometimes and it is and don't let anybody on twitter tell you that oh you you're so soft because you can't handle a guy not wearing a jersey no it hurts to say they're telling you hey i don't support you as a person that hurts your don't let people gaslight you into not being hurt you're allowed to be hurt you're not soft that sucks but on the other side of that coin edmonton i don't know if they had their pride night or they oh yes they had their pride night a few days ago or last night and zach hyman was really really outspoken in support Shout out to zach hyman yeah. friend said, of the pod yes friend of the pod now and he's a, a fellow jew we love that he's a mensch as we'd say if i was in that position i'd wear one it doesn't go against any of my beliefs on the contrary it is extremely important to be open and welcoming to that greater community and to show that we care and we are willing and ready to include them I just think that it's extremely important that we make hockey a welcoming environment for everyone. And tomorrow is a good night to be able to do that. And Connor McDavid is off the shit list indefinitely. 100%. He finally End said something. Yeah, Connor he said. McDavid. Now he earns the title back. Yeah, he said we strongly support Pride Night. It's simple as that. And I thought it was interesting because I, I was like, oh, that kind of warms my heart. And someone was like, wow, the guy that never says anything really said something. I'm like, that's kind of why it warms my heart, because it shouldn't be this big declaration or this big deal. But it is. But the fact that he was so nonchalant about it, like, yeah, it's a no brainer. We support it is really great. And I'm proud of him. I have to say I, the people I was watching those interviews with uh, when they came out, we were commenting to like what a baller Zach Hyman is because he's got this smirk on his face. Like you assholes are completely ridiculous trying yeah. to come up with some bullshit excuse to not. I mean, honestly, how much ridiculous stuff do many athletes across all sports wear because it's a sponsor or it's an event? I mean, seriously, we can talk about some of those all-star jerseys and they are gross. And you people put on all kinds of crap all the time. And this is, this is what we're doing. But that Zach Hyman, we stand. Connor McDavid, I take back every mean thing I ever said. Not every, but most of them. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. We're Shit. watching him. <laughs> we're, we're, the door is back open yes. to consider. But no, I, I'm with you. I think in all seriousness, we rag on him so much for not standing up and for being so PC and always towing the company line and being very corporate speak. And for what he said, that player, that was huge. And I think very, very meaningful. Kudos to him. Shana, your thoughts? I know you were making sure to, to, to share around, and then I, I think the both of us did as well after uh, Brian Burke's comments, where I love throwing it in the face of, quote-unquote, old hockey men, that here's an old hockey man um, getting more and more vocal and more and more intense in his comments about his stance on things. Yeah, and, like, the timing didn't go unnoticed. It's Hockey Night in Canada, on Sportsnet, second intermission, every Canadian team in action, every Canadian team 
intermission will have that as a feature. And I think his exact words were like that religion as the excuse didn't compute for him. And I fully agree. It does feel like with some of the talk about Russian players, and I know now it's a little bit different. We do have a Russian player saying they are scared because of the, with Labushkin. And I, while I don't know the severity of the, you know, we can't, you're in America and we can say all those things. You know what? It's the only one that I'm going to give this much of a pass to because I'm like, okay, at least he said that versus, you know, anything else. Yeah. It's all these Christian and Catholic players saying, I can't do it because of this, because the door was opened by a Russian player. And then everyone's blaming the Russian players. Exactly. That's what's bothering me. It's like yeah. a little xenophobic. Yeah. And, and hey, shout out, honestly, again, someone we usually are upset with. Shout out to Bill Daly in the league for coming out and saying, um, that's not a thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. And it's those aren't James Reimer, both Stahl brothers and the Stahl brothers, too. It's especially disappointing. After many thoughts, prayers and discussion, we came to this conclusion when it's they like, were praying away the gay. <laughs> yeah. And like, again, I've seen some things out there that it's like, well, now it's the inclusion of this. That might be the problem. I don't know anything about it. I do know they warm in the past. I think lying. I'm not Christian. That was I amazing. would think it's a sin. I would think it's pretty big on the list. You know, you play on Sundays, you pick and choose how you want to support your religion. And with this, you know, somewhere like you can't say that someone should be promoting it. No one's Matthew Kachuk put it really well, yeah, really, really, really well. Too. I think it was one of my favorite statements, too. By wearing this, it means everybody is welcome in this locker room. And that's how it should be. Yeah. And again, you guys, I'm on record. I have been raised Christian since literally the day I was born. And none of this computes with how I've taught. I've been taught to live my best life and be good to other people. And I'm not saying that because I'm the role model. I'm just saying it doesn't compute. Yeah. Um, and yeah. my dad can literally read the Bible in Greek and Latin. So come at me, bro. My um, mom's the principal of South Boston Catholic Academy <laughs> and they wave a pride flag and the priest is pro LGBTQ plus community. All are welcome. So just hiding behind that is just not sitting right with me. No, because religions, of, sorry, religion just has evolved though. You know, like it's not, if you want to go, Again, can't fully speak to this because I was not bought mitzvahs. I didn't read the Torah. It's not in English, the version I have seen. It's not my thing. I don't know that much about religion. I'm the first to say it. But I do know it has evolved over the years to work with what's going on in this day and age. Like, again, people work on Sundays and play games on Sundays and they eat meat on Fridays. Wasn't that a thing? Like people have sex before marriage. And I'm sure so many players have. So it's like when you want to use that, it's just. And ex- <laughs> I think about like, yeah. I think about like, I wrote a story about Jacob Slavin being extremely religious and I'm an atheist. I know my mom's the principal, so I've learned things. My dad's Jewish, whatever. I am an atheist, but I gladly supported a cause that seems really important to him. And I remember he came up to me after I wrote that story and was just like, thank you so much. That means a lot to a big group. And he got something that's positive in his life. And I'm so glad it has that positive impact on him. And I'd hope people would welcome the LGBTQ plus community the same way. It doesn't mean I have to be religious after writing that story. It just means I was glad to support him and his travels and I have respect for him and I'd hope he'd have the same respect for me. And I want to make uh, one more point, too, and this is someone we all have mad respect for and unofficially friend of the pod because we just worship this human because um, she's brilliant. 
But, uh, you know, back to your point, Shana, where the stall said it was after many conversations. Uh, Lexi Brown, friend of the pod, um, had a tweet out after the stall statement came out. And she, for those of you who may not know her husband, JT Brown, uh, while playing with the Tampa Bay Lightning, was the first, I do believe, uh, person of color to raise a fist in protest on an NHL bench. And he did it alone while his teammates all sat and looked every which way but at him. Um, And Lexi tweeted this, would love to know if any of these, quote, discussions included queer people, because when JT raised his fist, it was basically expected that he talk with military personnel and cops before making his decision to protest, which he did. And choosing not to wear these pride jerseys is very much a protest. It is choosing to take a stand against the LGBTQ plus community against inclusion. There is freedom of choice, but you should have to answer for it. And I think that that's a very big takeaway, I'm so glad she said that, is that I can have discussions with people who all think like me and they can say, yes, 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 you're right. Or I can say, wow, there might be some reason why this organization wants me to do it. Maybe I don't agree. Maybe I needed to talk to the people or the organization that they're trying to bring in to fully understand my perception before I make this choice. And I'll even, this is so ridiculous, but I read Spare by Prince Harry because I love him. And (laughs) he talked about, you know, when he made the grave misstep of wearing a Nazi uniform at a Halloween party. And part of what he had to learn to better himself was meeting with a rabbi who helped him work to understand, like, you can't talk to people just in your in-group and say that you had discussions. You have to talk to the people that your decision does in fact affect before you can say you had discussions. That would require being forward-thinking and open-minded, which it's very clear the people making these decisions are not forward-thinking and open-minded. And I just want to add to like, we're not enjoying having to talk about this so I'm often. I'm so tired. I'm Seriously. One of my friends said it to me. He's like, I am so over this. He's like, they're going to ditch them all together and people are going to be happy because this is the discussion that we shouldn't be having every time. Yes. It's just be like, wow, sick jerseys. Nice that the team's doing this. Move on. Just as we do with St. Patrick's Day jerseys that are so fucking ridiculous and everything else, like it's been made into something it shouldn't be. And it all started with one player and how it was handled then. And everybody else now all of a sudden feels that they have this leeway to do it. And it's important that when these things come up, we do discuss them because they are wrong. But we're not trying, like, this is not what anybody wants. We simply would like to see an artist, right? Make a jersey, get to have their moment. We know how important that is. And us celebrate that people are welcome in hockey, a sport that is not very welcoming, has never been, and it doesn't feel like it's going to be at this rate anytime soon. And that's something everybody wants to work against. And just understand what this actually means. No one's inducting you into a cult. No one's forcing you to do anything. It is simply saying, we accept everybody here. And it means something to fans to see that. The only reason this is such a big deal is what, to Lexi's point, is because they, like, are doing a protest like this is a protest and it is a big deal in the way that uh, people on the other side would get mad that JT protested. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they're silent now and they're like, well, why can't he protest? You know what? These players can not wear the jerseys, but they should have to be able to answer to it. And that's what like is so frustrating logging on Twitter and having people just keep regurgitating the same talking points that I didn't say. I never said you couldn't wear a jersey. I don't want you to support the LGBTQ plus community if you don't actually. I want you to tell me why you don't. And I want to have a discussion about that. And that's what needs to be happening. And I, I think it's just so exhausting going on Twitter and going, wow, you say no freedom of speech. I'm like, no, I never said that. When did I say that? And there's like seven other things they're telling me I said that I want the Russian people to die. I am Russian and I, I somewhat understand that aspect of it. But I I think Jordan Stahl's just fine. <laughs> 
Stalin, Jordan Stalin. That was killing me. There were some really good jokes, I will say. The good things that are coming out of this is the quiet leader of the league actually like standing up for something. 100%. Other players kind of unexpectedly standing up for things and the jokes. And the players showing their, too, like, yeah. Show your ass. Eric Stahl Honestly. is someone who I think people thought was so upstanding throughout his career. Mm-hmm. He probably could have had any post-career job he wanted to after this. And mm-hmm. he fucked himself so much. And not that I want bad things. To, it's not that. But if you want to show your ass and maybe a more deserving person can get that opportunity that he would have been handed, by all means. Well, friends, we hope that we don't need a new segment for this. And we hope, um, again, we tell you this at the end of every episode, but we hope that we all can understand uh it doesn't hurt to be nice to people. And if nice is wear a jersey, why not try? Uh, let's move on to some actual hockey talk and let's stick actually with a team um, that we started in, uh, referencing in that previous conversation. And that is the Florida Panthers. Let's lay out the situation in the East. Currently right now, the Islanders are in wild card number one spot with 83 points and eight games to play. The Pittsburgh Penguins are currently in wild card two. They won yesterday. They have 82 points and they have nine games to play. The Florida Panthers also have nine games to play and they are out of the playoff picture right now with 79 points. They have lost their last three. It's interesting to me to see how pressure affects both players and teams. You never really know what's going to happen. But this is a hotly contested wildcard race. And shout out, P.S., by the way, to the Islanders, who we all thought were done, but good for them. Coming into no, this. No, I didn't think so. Sorry, okay. carry on. Okay. I have loved the Islanders, and you can quote me. Okay, that's fair. But one team we did all say was not going to be in the picture was Florida. Yes. <laughs> and here yes. we are. So let's break this down. Shayna, when you look at the Florida Panthers and where they are at, are you impressed that they are still hanging around? Or is this who we thought they were? And are they going to be able to make any sort of push and rebound at all to try and stay relevant in this wild card conversation? I'm actually legitimately impressed that they battled their way back in because it did feel like this team came into the season and changed their identity so much after the postseason went poorly for them last year, even though there's a million reasons why it did and they should have just leaned into their strengths. I didn't like the coaching decision. I didn't like some offseason choices that they made. And then it came to the deadline and it was even more disappointing. But I will give them credit uh, because you look at their five on five play over the last month. And it's something like I was kind of digging into a little bit earlier because they're going to be in the vibe check. Um, Their five on five play over the last month has been outstanding and it's been really good on both ends of the ice. And they're actually doing a much better job of finishing their chances, which is something that's been a problem all season. But when they lose games that they should win, which is what we're seeing happening pretty consistently now, it's like, oh, there you are again. And it just feels like it was avoidable. It was bad managing that got them to this point. Um, and now they kind of have to pay the price for it. I think it might deter people from going in all in the way the Panthers did at the deadline when I don't think that's the answer of it. I just think the the big thing to learn that I hope every other team takes away is that if you fail in the playoffs, maybe don't drastically change what your roster is built for, but find a way to lean into it. And like the Colorado Avalanche are the perfect example of that when Vegas beat them in the playoffs and the year later they went, we just have to be patient and play to our strengths. That's the difference. They didn't have the patience and it's burning them this year. So if they miss out, we know why. And it's just kind of disappointing from for some of the core players like Barkoff and Kachuk. I mean, Kachuk's having a heart caliber season. And if McDavid wasn't so far ahead, he'd legit be in the race. So, Shannon, you're saying they should have kept Ben Sherrod around? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. They should have, they could have just simply not spent first round pick on him and gone for like a depth defenseman last year for a second or a third, someone below the surface. And they have people in that front office that can help find it. If that front office could ever find some peace and harmony together and gone below the surface and found, you know, those market inefficiencies, because we know like puck movers like that don't go for as much versus the slow, hard hitting playoff defenseman. But you know, Choices were made and they have to live with it. And they're not doing a very good job of living with it if they miss out this year. Sarah, what's your take? I'm looking here too, and I'm quick counting and I might be wrong, but Bobrovsky has started 17 of the last 19. They're riding him hard. And to Shana's point, these last three losses have come versus New York versus Toronto and in Philly. What are the Florida Panthers to you? Yeah, Kachuk's season right now is really, really reminding me of Taylor Hall's MVP season. So it's just McDavid is on a different planet and it's not fair, but it's not MVP isn't really about who's getting you to the playoffs. So that's just he's not the number. It's McDavid unanimously for me this year, but he's getting close. But I also think this is the problem. This is why, like, I know we underrate or like undervalue or something or like kind of poo poo the regular season. Like as far, even the Bruins are like, we don't even care about our historic regular season. Like, no, the reason you do that is now you can bench. They benched Marchand and Bergeron last game and they still yep. won and they brought people up so they don't have to get hurt. They can just kind of relax. You know, it's like now every single game matters and the goaltending, especially too. like they had Swayman in last night. It's like, they don't, Bobrovsky being in every single game is like, how, how is it going to be when it gets to the playoffs? Well, if they exactly, even get there. Exactly. What, do you, exactly. what do you think about that? Like you, you watched Bobrovsky a ton. You saw him in playoffs. Like, do you think he's someone that's better when he plays a ton going into the playoffs? Is he someone that is better if he's in rotation? Do you think he might burn out if he goes to the playoffs at the rate he's playing? Well, I, I've not pulled up his TOI in front of me here, but while we're talking about it, I mean, this he would play every game if he could and he prepares himself to do that. But He's the kind of player that does need a coach to say, for the better of you and for the better of the team. Now, they are dealing with injuries in that Florida is. So this is not necessarily poor coaching decision. These are necessity decisions a lot of the time, particularly for, quote unquote, must win games. But um, I'm with Sarah. I think that should they somehow make it in, I mean, he'll still do everything he can to muster up and be ready. But it's just such an ask. And he's getting older and, mm-hmm. and age comes for us all. Uh, let's talk about the team, though, that is keeping them um, in terms of standings out of that wild card, card conversation, and that is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Just last week, we were looking at them and saying, are they done? They've lost four in a row. Then they come back Wednesday. They win in Colorado. They do lose at Dallas, but then they win at home versus Washington yesterday. Well, yesterday being, excuse me, two days ago, Saturday. I watched the game time as a flat circle. Who knows anymore? Um, (laughs) But Pittsburgh is currently in the second wild card. What is this about Pittsburgh? This seems and feels like a last gasp. It feels like they're just clawing their way in. And in a way, I kind of hate it because it's kind of like, you know, leave while you're on top. Don't leave while you're falling to the bottom. And and if this Pittsburgh team goes into the playoffs and gets embarrassed again, I feel like that's not great. But what is Pittsburgh to you now, Sarah? And where are they going to be when the season clock hits all 82 games? I know this is rude, but like, hang it up. I don't think they're going to make a long run if they make it in the playoffs. I just think there's a lot kind of that has gone wrong and they weren't all in 
um, for the off season or the deadline, I, I don't think. And then it shows now, right. Where it's like, I think they didn't, they had one foot in one foot out and it's just the first round matchups this season are going to be way too hard for them to have a chance. In my opinion, even though you always have a chance with Sid and I'd love to see Sid Malkin and Latang go at it one more time. But like, I just don't think the rest of the team is more supportive enough. Shayna, what are the picks Pittsburgh Penguins and should they have continued to push or should they possibly have done something a little bit like Washington did and said, in honor of our stars, we're actually going to take a step back so that maybe next year we can make one big final push? See, I actually think they should have bought at the deadline. I had no problem with that. because Yes, I agree. Yeah, like the Capitals have all the injuries and just they had one really good month, right? They It was like January. They were one of the best five on five teams in the league. And that's all they had going for them. The Penguins have had, you know, really good streaks and they've been just so inconsistent, but they have the core pieces in place and they have the coaching that it feels like if they could have supported their roster, like as much as it's like you could look at last season and go, well, they got out in round one. They were the better team in round one until, you know, game seven. If they had Crosby for that entire series, they would have won and they probably would have had a pretty good run through the playoffs. But it's like it's unfortunate how things worked out this year. If they lose in round one, it's not they don't get that leeway because it could have been avoided. Their deadline was one of the worst in the league. And I'm like, it's them. Florida are the two, the team that did nothing. The team that did two, like did things, but they were terrible. They went for Benino. Sure. Okay. Whatever. But you go for Kulikov and you go for Granlin and Granlin's not a rental. You just committed to him for the rest of Crosby's contract. Like, why didn't you go for a goaltender, a goaltender? Like, Jari, you can't, first of all, there's the injury concern. Second of all, that he doesn't do very well in the postseason. DeSmith is not the person you want to hang your hat on. And then you have Tukarski as your third string goalie. Like that's not, that's not putting your core in a position to succeed in any which way when there were players on the market they could have gone for. And they were tied up with things with like with Vancouver that would have taken on bad contracts. It's like, where was your head to management this entire time? And it's why I really don't see that management group sticking around much longer. I can't see yeah. ownership because it's a different ownership group now with Pittsburgh keeping them together and saying, yeah, this is totally fine. It feels like they were grasping at straws to make things happen and they just took every bad decision. So it's completely and totally on management that they're in this position when they could have added a couple smart players, a, another forward, a depth defenseman, or just leave the defense alone and go for a goaltender and been done. And instead they did what they did. My favorite conspiracy theory is that it's an inside job because Hextel is like history in Philly. <laughs> the drama well, we need in this league. That would be amazing. That, that would be hysterical. Well, there's fan one... fiction. Sorry, I keep going. <laughs> book talk, book talk. Um, we have one more team in the East we want to talk about before we wrap this episode up. We'll hit the West uh, next episode, barring some sort of crazy news from the NHL, which who the hell ever <laughs> knows. Um, but that is the Tampa Bay Lightning. We know that their postseason matchup has been locked in since like 15 months ago because it's kismet that they have to play the Leafs. But I feel like it's flying under the radar that the Lightning have lost 11 of their last 16 games. And if I can recall my stats correctly, I might be wrong, but John Cooper's availability after this last game, under a minute long in terms of any insights or answers he had for the media. We know what Tampa Bay can do. We know that they are definitely a team that qualifies under the quote-unquote just-get-in banner but I am not a fan of any team. I don't care how good you are limping this severely into the home stretch. Um, they're in, 
they're going to play the Leafs, so they'll probably win round one. But what do you make of what's happening in Tampa right now, Shana? It just, it's just not good. Like this is a team that <laughs> analysis, right? Yeah, analysis. It's not good. Um, you see some games where they like completely dominate and you see them playing well and they adjust to their opponent and you see every smart detail about them. Like when they played the devils for three straight, you could see what made the Tampa Bay. So the Tampa Bay lightning so special, their championship years, you saw how they used their forecheck to their advantage and their cycle plays and how they figured out how to cut off the rush and they were adjusting, but then it just kind of came to a halt. If Vasilevsky wasn't perfect and he's been either really good or really bad, like there's been no in between. It feels like they can't like withstand it right now. It feels like they're five on five play. Like they're not cashing in on their scoring chances and they're having struggles with saves, but they're not doing enough below the surface either. And it kind of shows too, like Tanner, you know, they spent so much on and while they're a team that could afford to spend those picks, it, it only makes sense for a contender to spend the picks the way they did on one player. It was such a gamble instead of, a forward and a cheap defenseman. It feels like that's what they really needed. I still think he's going to be a monster in the playoffs because it's the Tampa Bay Lightning way, right? But he's struggling to generate any offense right now. So if it's not someone like Point doing something amazing, he's having a great season and Hagel fits in so well, it just feels like the other core pieces that they need to be clicking aren't doing it. Sarah, what are the Tampa Bay Lightning right now in your eyes? And do they need to up their game before they finish the regular season? Yeah, I watched them when they came to town in Boston. And they were just, even before puck drop, they were fighting. And they they took so many penalties. And I was like, what? Like, this isn't a team that is veteran and gearing up for the playoffs. You know what I mean? So it's like, it doesn't matter because they're going to make the playoffs. But at the same time, it's just kind of like a weird vibe right now, especially with the drama before with um, Cooper benching all his stars in the third. And then they lost even worse the next day. It's just kind of like, it's giving outwardly weird vibes. Like a lot of the times there's going to be internal problems with a team that like you don't see from the outside, but we've kind of gotten a view of what's going on here. And it's just giving me like a weird taste. I I really do think if it comes down to the lightning and the Leafs, the Leafs are going to win. Oh, yeah. I just I really think, I just really think that. You Next month, more analysis. Podcast. I'm speechless. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Wow. Heard it here first. Wow. I, I don't know that there's anywhere to go from that other than to say uh, it's time to wrap the show with our very favorite game. Sarah, I, my mind, I'm literally wow. mind blown emoji. That's, I'm calling it now. Well, I've been thinking like it for it. a while. I'm ready. I like it. I like it. Um, we end every episode again with our favorite game. Fuck, Mary, kill. And we had an unsolicited nomination today from one of our favorites, and that is Avery. He goes by at Avery, A-V-R-Y, on Twitter. Um, you should follow him. He does tremendous work. And he is always at the top of his style game. So he submitted to us a style-themed Fuck, Mary Kill for this episode. And if it's fashion, Sarah, you know you have to go first. Are you ready? I suppose. Okay, here we go. Fuck, Mary Kill. Players under 35 in double-breasted suits, sneakers with suits, casual wear to the rink. The floor is yours. Okay, I'm marrying casual wear to the rink because you're at, like, you, every time somebody does that, it actually looks so good because they're thinking about it. And it's like, with the suit, the way players have explained it to me, too, is with the suit, you don't have to think about it. You just put it on. And even though it, like, looks classier and effortlessly, you have to make a casual thing look good like you have to take some effort so i appreciate that and streetwear is so in right now and i love what matthews um what's his name um 
Sergachev and a few others around the league do it. So props to them. I am killing the double-breasted suits. Zadorov, you know, you know, I don't love them. I just think it looks odd. It looks a little out of place and it's a little outdated. And I think um, Nylander is one that can actually rock them because I am fucking suits with sneakers. I just... I think it's a fun little, cute little way to, especially with players can't really show their personality when it's just a suit to have the sneakers. Nylander has the best, like he'll match his laces and stuff like that. So I, I'm always looking at the shoe game. Dana, you're next. This is a tough one. Okay. So I'm going to kill the double breasted suits. I think only some players can pull them off and when they pull them off, they can look fucking flawless. But it's not a look for everyone. And it just feels like you have to have one, the confidence to like the right tailoring and the right style around it for it to feel like modern and fresh. And that's a little bit tougher. So let's get rid of that because the other two are too much fun. Um, hmm. I will I will fuck casual wear to the rink because sometimes with casual wear, you get like the team sweatsuits and only that. And if that's what you're comfortable in, that's fine. But it's a, it's just like a little bit bland and it leaves me a little disappointed. Like when the wild, I think it was allowed the dress down code. It was like, well, here's the shirts to wear and here's the sweatsuits to wear. And it took all the fun out of it. So it's only yeah. fun some of the time. So I can't commit to that just yet. Um, I will marry suits with sneakers. That is a vibe. I love it. I think you both know how much I love sneakers it's such a good look. Um, literally, we went to a wedding and I made Rich get sneakers to go with his suit because it looked so nice and everyone thought he was going to the draft because the whole like fit was perfect. You can show personality. You can freshen up your suit. It adds a really young vibe to it. And it's like, it's a bit of comfort and you don't have to do it if you don't want to, but it's just something like if you want if you want that, you can. And I feel like that's a good way to go. No tie and t-shirt with, you know, with the blazer and pants and the sneakers too. And it's like a, a really fresh, clean look that I think more players can embrace and have that middle ground between like dressing up and dressing down. Mm-hmm. Dana, guess what? You're going to agree with me. I am going to agree with you. Yes. The only additional comment I would make, and I have a very, very love-hate relationship with double-breasted suits because they were all the thing in the 80s. And so now I'm like, over it permanently forever because I look back on pictures and I'm like, oh my God, no. Um, If you want to have that much coverage, I suggest a delightful vest because then you can continue the fabric statement that you're making. You can make a different fabric statement, but then we don't have to go with the double-breasted situation, which I also feel isn't ideal for the most frequent hockey player body shape. So that's my only additional comment I would make. I think that's a good point about the shape of it. It just looks like a little silly sometimes. Eddie, Freddie Anderson does it too. I mean, it's a good look, but it's just not my favorite. 100%. And I love, I like the point about the vest. The vest is such a, I'm I'm a big vest fan, whether it's with the suit or just like as like for women, just as a top alone. We love vests. So very good point there. <laughs> I made a fashion point for once. I feel very, very proud. You make a exciting. lot of fashion, good fashion points. Every time yeah, you're on, it's like, that's a nice fit. Every time I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a really nice fitter. Those are cute shoes, you know? So you just don't give us fit checks so we can't compliment you as often. You have to, you have to get them from Piper. You know how I am. You know yeah. how I am. Thank God. All right. Piper. Thank thank God for Piper for we many love reasons. Piper. Yes. Yes, indeed. 
All right, my friends. Well, that is it for us this episode. Uh, we will be back next episode with a little bit of a deeper dive into the West, which everyone is sleeping on. But there's some exciting ch- races and challenges. And some of these games might actually be first round previews that are coming in the next eight to 10 games on that side of the NHL as well. So watch those. Um, don't forget. If you want to hear our thoughts on those things or give us your nominations for Fuck, Mary Kill or just tell us topics to discuss, uh, you can follow us on the socials. We are on both Instagram and Twitter at two underscore much underscore man. In those sites, you can also find a link in our bios to our merch where you can get hats, you can get sweatshirts, you can get T-shirts, you can get switch cases, you can get watch bands, you can get notebooks and burn books. We have all the things and they are perfect and delightful. And all the proceeds that we get from those sales do not come to us. They go towards supporting causes and people who are doing work that we ask you to contribute to in some way, big or small, whatever fits into your life, which is focused on making sure that hockey truly is for everyone. We will talk to you soon. Love you. Bye.